Hey, patrons, happy Halloween. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being patrons on Halloween. Very kind of you. And as you are patrons on Halloween of 2020, you have access to the platform, which came out the same time as this. And now we're going to do our revisit of TNG's Genesis episode, which we did four years ago. I did with Modi, I think. Modi, four years ago in 2016. And now we're going to revisit it with Clay and Amanda. Clay and Amanda, how are you? Clay, how are you? I'm good. Um, yeah, I definitely did not remember this one. I feel like this would have stood out to me had I done this for the first time. <laughs> I was, it, was, it was kind of a lucky coincidence that um, you didn't because I have that rule about I won't revisit things that, well, I guess I broke that rule that usually have a guess, but this is kind of a, a weird case where we're doing this as a limited time option thing. But um, normally- Really an yeah. uh, indictment of your other guests, huh? I, <laughs> no, well, I, I normally won't re- redo them. Just because... Uh, That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much love I have in my heart. And I think it's wrong to just erase them from the history of this, uh, what is going to be seen in the future as the the essential podcast of the 21st century. Um, mm. And Amanda, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty spooky. <laughs> Having a good Halloween mm. so far. I'm going to say that, assuming that nothing has gone wrong to this point and just to make it seem like I'm happy and comfortable. <laughs> um, happy Halloween to everybody. And enjoy your Mm -hmm. COVID trick-or-treating, which is you're allowed in my town to just walk on the sidewalks and look at people's decorations. You can't talk to people. You can't look at people. So good luck with all that. If I I get some candy. (laughs) And um, I guess, you know, it's kind of appropriate. This episode has a virus in it. That's the cause of everything that happens. So it's it's a little bit of a COVID Halloween that we're going to get into. But let's take a break. We're going to play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we're going to break down Genesis. Such a phaser on heavy stun. We cannot be certain a stun setting will have any effect on it. A higher setting might kill it. Listen to that. He sounds very angry. Really, really aggressive. What do you think he wants? Think he's responding to some... some predatory instinct. Think he sees us as prey. There are crew members in the corridors and other sections of the ship. It would be easier for him to capture and consume one of them than to attempt to break through a door. Genesis is the 19th episode of the seventh season of TNG, the final season of TNG, and there's only six episodes left until the show wraps up. It aired on the 21st of March, 1994, written by Brandon Braga, which is another kind of coincidentally well-timed thing that we're doing, directed by Gates Mm. McFadden, who plays Dr. Crusher. In universe state is 47653.2. The year is 2370. In this episode, the Enterprise crew members de-evolve into prehistoric creatures after a medical treatment by Dr. Crusher goes horribly wrong. I'll open this one just by saying this is, if you look on Metacritic and you look up the definition of Metacritic (laughs) and you look up the definition of, uh, I think they call it mixed reviews on Metacritic, Genesis fits nicely into that. Um, this is a Star Trek episode that I don't know how familiar you are, Amanda. Maybe after I'm done talking for a minute, you can tell uh, what pe- people will, how familiar you are with TNG. But mm-hmm. this is an episode that um, reminds me a lot of episodes like Valiant uh, from DS9 or reminds me of uh, Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night and that they are episodes that are um, really shockingly different in how they're received. I'm just looking at here now. There's a blog called What Culture, which is some random blog I've oh, never sure. heard of. But They do a lot of wrestling stuff, actually. Oh, do they? Okay. So yeah. th- there's the theme to tie it into you. They called this the seventh best episode <laughs> of all time in Star Trek. Wow. In Star Seriously? Trek. Wow. However, on the <laughs> other hand, 
there's a book called Star Trek 101. It gave this the Spock's Brain Award for the worst episode in TNG. So that's kind wow. of the the differenti- uh, differentiation there. This is a very mixed episode in how it's received. Uh, there's a lot of people that love it, a lot of the people that hate it. Clay, I'll give you a quick question, and then I'll throw it to Amanda about TNG. Why do you think people sure. don't like this episode? What would be your guess? Uh, if you've been you've been immersed in Trek uh, fandom for six years at this point, why do you think people don't like this? Um, if I had to guess, maybe because it's just a s- straight like monster movie kind of thing. It's not. I don't know. It's not super Star Trekky. It's uh, it's depending on what your mood is going into it, you could read it as a very silly episode um yeah i don't it's a know little more um, it's a little more time orby than that remember the time orb and wrong sure time? yeah oh yes yeah there's no explanation for anything that happens that makes any sense people whatsoever. hate the science people hate yes. the de-evolution idea yeah, that it's like sure. what, what is going on and how is this supposed to work people every yeah. negative review i've ever seen focuses entirely on the science of the episode yes uh, uh also amanda i would like to let you know if you felt <laughs> out of place or uh, got worried when he started rattling off other episodes. I've been doing this for five years, and I have no idea what those episodes are. <laughs> oh, good. Because <laughs> that's a that's a running theme with me in this on this show is that uh, once we watch it, it leaves my brain. So nice. <laughs> there's a time. Well, warp. now I'm here. Time warp yes. that takes him out. Yeah, and Amanda, um, why don't you just give a quick breakdown of how familiar you are with TNG, and then we can get into it. Yeah. Uh, so I was very relieved when you guys asked me if I would do this with you, and. Um, I when I found out that this uh, episode would be about the next generation, I was like, "Hooray!" The one Star Trek property that I have any real familiarity with. <laughs> um, I watched it a lot on TV as a kid. Um, so I'm not. I'm definitely not a hardcore Star Trek person, but uh, TNG has a special place in my heart, uh, and so. I actually had, I remembered this episode. I think I probably saw it pretty close to when it aired when I was maybe like six or seven years old. And it's one of those things that Clay and I have talked about on uh, the Rotten Horror podcast. When you think you, uh, you, you saw it when you were young enough or it was surreal enough that you almost think you dreamt it. Yeah, this is a, I can see that very easily with this episode. (laughs) This episode was 100% that for me. So when you told me this was it and I looked it up and I started watching it, I was like, oh shit, this was real. Yeah. It was was not a dream. It was was not a a fever dream that you had. (laughs) I could very easily see a conversation in like college about star trek where you're like yeah was there an uh, this sounds made up but was yeah. there an episode <laughs> where uh troy turns into a frog kind of and after, then people after like, being, i don't know after being sexually assaulted by Worf, right yeah yeah yes. yeah. yeah no clay, clay this this will excite you i think as well i have the Go same on. thing where there is there an episode of batman the animated series mm-hmm. where catwoman becomes a literal catwoman Sure is. Oh, yes. Thank you. Which yes. you can listen to on our show, Badass Podcast, where myself and DC Comics show artist Sean Murphy talk about Batman the Animated Series. Thank you for the plug. Which doesn't <laughs> doesn't have a, ha- a special Halloween episode, though, unfortunately. You didn't <laughs> watch this true. the we first don't. time, Clay. Um, I gave this the first time through. I gave this a four out of five. This has always been one of my favorite, if not if not that I think it's the qualitatively the be- one of the better Star Trek episodes. I really enjoy mm-hmm. this one. I think it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think this is a... This is maybe I'll have to go 
deep here to save uh, the podcast credentials if Clay's not remembering the episodes. I feel this is a perfect season seven episode of TNG. Um, I was I was actually really surprised that it came this late and this late in the series because when I saw this was episode 20, I was like, geez, they got like five episodes left before they're rounding this out. I mean, I guess this is the time you do the episode where everybody turns into a weird monster. Just... <laughs> <laughs> cruising into that last finish line there. But. You, might, you might not remember season seven, but season seven is a pretty weak season, all things considered. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, um, This is one of the standouts. I have it as one of my top five episodes. I chose it, obviously, because it's a horror-themed episode. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thing, and I'll throw it to you, it's the first and only episode directed by Gates McFadden who crushes this directorially, oh, t- I yes. think. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> in a way that Patrick Stewart really shit the bed when he directed that Western. <laughs> she absolutely seizes on the horror aspect of this, delivers on it. And even outside of the horror episodes, her scenes where before they all get sick, her scenes are really interestingly shot. They use um, moving camera. Her opening scene is basically one shot that happens over two minutes, which hardly ever happens in this show. Mm. And um, she's really excellent at it. I'm, I'm disappointed they didn't give her more of a chance to do it, especially if, you know, Crusher is not a main character, really. Well, she is a main character, but she's not an important character in terms of the series. And just let her direct a little bit more because I really enjoyed this one. I thought that for a horror-themed Star Trek episode, I thought this was really well put together for her. Yeah. Um, I You know, I, she's probably at the on the lower end of the list of people who got to direct from the cast. I assume everybody else has already done one at this point, like, like you said, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Um, Frakes has probably done a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeVar Burton. Dorn LeVar directed Burton. One, I Dorn. Think. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, she's not the, she's not the first person you'd think of for whatever reason, but yeah, she killed it. It's, I thought it was great uh, in that respect. And I mean, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't pay more attention to that because she directed it. Uh, because anytime I think a, a cast member directs, you kind of go, eh, all right, all right, we'll, <laughs> let's see how this goes. And uh, yeah, it was great. Um, I, uh, I I do think that it is a little light on story um, because it only kind of, there's, uh, the setup is really strange where, um, I, in my mind, Patrick Stewart got the script for this and he was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave the ship. How about that? Yeah, yeah. While everybody else turns into a monster. Um, I didn't I didn't spend 10 years in the Royal Shakespeare Company to be turned into a half man, half frog thing. So uh, how about we leave and then you do this stuff and then Picard comes back and saves the day. Um, is there a better, I guess as speaking to that, is there a better possible pairing than Data and Picard who come back no, to it though? No, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it, it it feels a little light on story, a little weirdly contrived that they have to go track down a, a, a photon <laughs> torpedo that skews off course. Also, I'm kind of I'm I'm going all over the place here. But um, <laughs> did you notice that do shuttle do the shuttle crafts have warp drives? No, they don't. Okay, so when they're coming back, uh. They they can't the, the Enterprise isn't in the area it's supposed to be. It's two light years says, away. Yeah. yeah, it's two light years away. <laughs> so it <laughs> if they don't have a warp drive, it would have taken them like five hundred years to I, get there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I think there's some, I'd have to pull out my technical manual. I think impulse is supposed to be substantially faster, but not light speed. Still, a light year it's, it's is a long how way. long it yeah. takes light to go in a year. It's not a short distance. Look, Clay, Clay, this is an episode where we learned that cats evolved from iguanas. That's so true. That's true. Let's, Although, let's ease off. Is, light, is a light year a, a, a measurement of distance or time? Distance. Distance? Yeah. It's okay. the distance that light goes in a year. Light travels in a year. Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah, so um, it's they would have been far. in that ship for a very long time. <laughs> but that aside, that aside, I, I thought it was good. I thought the horror stuff was really cool. Uh, the monster. Oh, I love Worf. The Worf monster was awesome. Oh, so good. But uh, but yeah, I'll I'll throw it back to Amanda if you want to uh, talk about your your uh, initial thoughts here about yes. about Genesis, which you said you're familiar with. Clay, you think you'd never seen this one before? I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. So, Amanda, what's your initial thoughts about Genesis? Um. So, in my vague nightmarish memory of it from years ago, um. I didn't remember that so much of the episode was the the sort of setup. Mm. I was kind of surprised when I looked and I realized that like 23 minutes of a 40 minute episode had been spent like essentially waltzing around sick bay and then watching Worf be really, really rude and have bad table manners. Yeah. They, they take a lot of, they take a long time to set this up. And uh, the other way you could see this episode is that the cold open is data and Picard finding the ship again, you know, uh, like they, so, yeah. So that's that's kind of how I remembered it. I I sort of remembered it as they have been, they have already left, and they come back, and this is in process. Excuse me. Um. So I, I'll admit to being a little bit disappointed when I realized this wasn't going to be like thirty five full minutes of just like a survival horror movie stuff. You didn't um, you didn't want to watch Data go down the checklist of how to treat a pregnant cat for 15 minutes <laughs> the, the pregnant cat subplot that ends up tying back in as their salvation i can't i don't know yet if i hate it or i love it more than everything <laughs> i don't know if it's my least favorite or absolute favorite thing yet yeah um, it does feel like it's the whole thing is written by uh definitely a man who's never had a kid <laughs> yeah it's it's, for, it's this is back in braga's uh heyday though this is like right in That's his, true. his yeah. wheelhouse of uh stuff that he's he's capable to do what i um what's interesting to me about it is i also every time i watch it i'm surprised by how long it takes for the transforming to start happening although mm-hmm. what i think why i think it's such a great season seven, seven episode that's sort of like the weirdness factor of like a show running out of gas and it's just like fuck it just have everyone devolve into something and we'll have data in picard <laughs> run around the ship they um i really mm-hmm. adore the character work in the early scenes like i i just feel that mm. the cast is completely comfortable in their characters at this point and they they're all kind of loose in the way that things are going around mm. uh barkley is in this one mm-hmm. oh he's great <laughs> Uh, Riker getting hit with the cactus in the back while he's putting the moves on some unfortunate ensign and engineering will never <laughs> happen to him. I just think that there's even the when the things start to go awry and there's like almost meta commentary jokes where Worf is starting to change and he's trying to like analyze what went wrong with his torpedo and, and Riker comes up behind him and he gets behind him in a way that's very common in Star Trek because they're trying to film both of the characters in one four by three image. So the characters are always right on top of each other. And Worf goes, must you stand so close to me? <laughs> As Riker's <laughs> right over him. And it's the start of them being clued in that something's going wrong. But it's also kind of like making fun of the show at this point mm. in, in a lot of ways. And I, I, I really like this as a 
um, late season episode of TNG that takes the time to have fun with the characters and gives them uh, good performances and a lot of fun character work while also being a pretty memorable episode, I think, because like it or uh, like it or not, I think that everyone kind of remembers this one after you've seen it. Mm. Yeah, it uh, it actually reminded me. I, I really liked the bits where stuff was first starting to go wrong. And it's interesting that we watch this one now because that stuff reminded me a bit of uh, what's the Enterprise episode we just did? Yeah, the, the past, where, the past. Uh, oh, I forget the ones, that, but the, they've done a couple where they're slow building towards something. For, yeah, yeah, the one where Trip is fixing a chair for like forty-five minutes. Oh, right, Singularity. <laughs> yes, which I didn't. I don't think I liked that one very much. No, but made, uh, neither of us liked it. I think this is a more successful version of that um, because they are. Uh, they they kind of dial it up in a way that you can kind of uh, grasp onto a little bit easier because you've got Worf getting really agitated and he's just like stuffing his face full of food and turning into this monster. Staring at tits got, of the waitress, which yeah, I think is yeah. fantastic <laughs> and kind of like pu- pushing the boundaries of TNG at that point. Yes. And you've got Troy like constantly needing to drink water and like it's it's like just weird enough that you kind of go, oh, this is really strange. Like they're they're not acting right. There's something wrong, but I can't put my finger on exactly what it is. And then they kind of just dial it up a little bit um, as they go. Like I, I, loved, I love Frakes. Uh, uh, Frakes is Riker slowly yes. losing his focus. Yes. It's fantastic. Oh, I I'll t- I I wrote in my notes. I was like Frakes. Uh, or or Riker losing his memory or understanding of being a captain is a hundred percent me if I was on a starship in this position because <laughs> if if Jordy came into me and was like we need to do this what should we do and I would be like well uh, what, what do you, you think, think we should do? <laughs> he goes, he goes okay, I like that. Jordy's earnestness he goes I think we should he goes well then do it yeah well, there you go <laughs> he's excellent yeah uh, Amanda did you um, I don't know how much of this like nineties genre tv you kind of uh are like immersed in at this point me and clay obviously have to do the the podcast so like we see it a mm-hmm. couple times a week but i do um <laughs> i there is an art to like the setup of episodes like this and i think this one does it pretty well because i i don't know what you think i for as memorable as the transformation stuff is and the makeup work is outstanding and it's like a really great uh, directing and there's a lot of fun scenes with it I actually think that as I'm getting older, I like the setup of this episode more than this, the horror sequence episode, uh, parts of it because the what's, what's fun about genre shows is that they can do things like this, but at the same time, you're kind of trapped by the conventions of what the show is. And the horror sequence here is really great, but it also has to be broken up by very long stretches where Data and Picard talk about what's going on and what they have to do to fix it, yes. which I think really kind of kills a lot mm-hmm. of it. Um, but I really like the setup that doesn't have any of that kind of thing. But I didn't know. Would you? Would you? Would you say that you were able to enjoy this as a horror episode, or is it like a Star Trek episode, or is there some kind of mix between the two? Do you think it's successful at being both a horror episode and a Star Trek episode? I do. I, I actually think it's a very good mix of the two because I, I, I think the first sort of third to a half where it is that setup feels like a Star Trek episode to me, at least in my, in my limited knowledge. Um, but then, yeah, when 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 Picard and Data come back, it definitely pivots pretty quickly and sharply 
into a very recognizable like horror like episode with with sort of the themes and the tropes that come with that like there's a lot of aspects of it that of it that make me think of the thing or alien and yeah i think it's pretty successful at both actually clay would you um would would you say this succeeds at better better at being a horror episode or a star trek episode i guess a horror thing or do you think the star trek is more powerful or the horror is more powerful um i think mm, that's tough because i i i understand why the, why there's a big segment of fan that's fans that don't like it because i think it fails on that ele- uh, in that star trek element cuz the it's like you were saying there's a lot they spend a lot of time explaining stuff but they're ex- they're going out of their way to lengthily explain the solution to a problem that they didn't set up like it's mm. just like you said it's it's uh the 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 reason the reason that they get into this situation is based on like no science and it's completely happenstance i'm not even totally sure exactly how it how it worked but they go out of their way to really kind of uh explain the science behind it and kind of techno babble their way through it when i think they probably if they had just kind of done a uh a little bit of a hand wave and focused more on the great stuff in that second half which is when you they're trying to x y and z but picard is very slowly starting to lose his mind or, or starting to regress i loved yeah. that stuff mm, that was yeah. great i i would have liked a lot more of that i think i would submit to patrick stewart's acting reel the sequence once he starts to change they do the subtle thing where he always hides behind data in every scene <laughs> no matter what is happening which i really like and the scene that is my absolute favorite is his he's, he's like it's mr wharf he sounds very angry very aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yes. he's he's really good at uh, Patrick Stewart's just an excellent a- actor, obviously. But the way he pr- uh, he the way he plays him subtly getting more and more frightened of everything that's happening to him. I think yeah. he's really great, especially uh, pairing yeah. him with Data is just a perfect solution because Data has a funny <laughs> line after like Picard's like, "Why doesn't he just leave?" And Data says, "It would be easier for him to chase down and consume another crew member that's out there yeah. than it would be to kick down the door." <laughs> It's just good, yeah. good stuff. I, I, and you know, I think, like you said, I think they picked a perfect pairing. Um, that's my alliteration award for the award for the evening, uh, <laughs> because Data can keep everything even keel, but you've got Picard, who is obviously the captain, who should be taking control of the situation, but they don't have him devolve into the same way Riker did, even though data is like, yeah, the same thing's going to happen to you that happened to Riker. Cause they're going back to whatever you used to be or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't get stupid. Um, he just gets frightened. Yeah. He, yeah. He doesn't get stupid. He just gets frightened. And so you, you take away that, uh, that calm confidence that he always has. And I think it's a really great, um, much more effective for horror anyway, to have Picard. Yeah. yeah. Scared. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit, uh, of, um, the Buffy the Vampire Halloween episode where they uh, they all put on their costumes and they turn into whatever they put their costumes yeah. on to be, and and Buffy dresses up like a like a princess. So yeah, all she's of like her, a Renaissance maiden or a, yeah, or no, like a like an I don't know, yeah, yeah. So like all that. of her uh, Buffiness with her strength and her confidence and everything just goes away, and so she is now put in the position of like the damsel in distress having to deal with the vampires and stuff. And it's 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 always nice to take those take those things away from your characters to, to put an interesting twist on stuff. Do you guys have any, um, 
I think the horror is fa- I think the horror is effective in this. I think it's well done. I think that again, I think the the really to go back to the point I was making before, I I think this both succeeds as a horror and a Star Trek episode, but I think that just in the second half, the Star Trek trappings kind of drag it down a little bit where they have to explain what's going on and they have to have Mm. like pretty long conversations between Data and Picard about like the vaccine. And, and, you know, while the funny pairing is that while Picard's being chased by Worf through the dark, Data is just standing next to the computer like analyzing a vaccine, you know, (laughs) they keep keep cutting back and forth. (laughs) And it's very funny. And I almost think it's like intentional, but it's also, there's no way that a Star Trek episode can't show that kind of stuff. And... I, I wish there was I know that they can't do it, but I really would have appreciated if the second half was just a pure horror thing where it's just David yeah, and Picard yeah. running from through the ship from, you know, everything that's going on in there. But I, I understand that they can't. So that's the only bit that's a little bit of a letdown to me. Especially especially since when by the time you get to the end, it's it's like uh you know, we joke about on lower decks how they have all of this stuff happen to the ship. Uh, or the people on it that seems like it's uh, life altering or at least physically. And then by the end of the episode, they just kind of hit it with a, the, uh, the, uh, the reset button. Yeah. The reset button, everything goes back to back to normal. And they do that very hard in this episode where it's once they figure out that they can uh, fix everything. Like, you don't even see people blasted. Yeah. (laughs) Crusher got blasted in the face with like acid spit. And they, they, they talk about her having to get reconstructive surgery. Yes, I was going to bring that up. That To me, like, there are two scenes in this that are the most frightening to me, and that is number one. That because, like, she was great when she got sprayed she with the awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. She does yeah. such a great job. She obviously gets taken out because she's directing and can't be in the episode for much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but to Clay's point, like, you don't actually see, like... There's a captain's log that sums it up and is like, Data shot the vaccine into the air and never was cured. You don't even see a lot sure. of yeah. crew members after this. And you have to assume that some people ate other people on the ship. Oh, yeah. So well, that one dude got his chest ripped right. open. <laughs> Dern, I think yeah, his name Worf is. Yeah, Worf killed a lot of people during this episode. Probably, yeah. So it's best that they just get out quickly and don't don't touch on these things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I do I do think, uh, I you know, I talk about this a lot on, on the Rotten Horror Show. I, I do think this is a... a, a a very specific cone of cone of narrative vision episode where it's like you, yeah, you got to just bail out at the end before you have time to think about the, the real um, consequences of what just happened. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they, they sort of touch on it very briefly with um, uh, at the end, Crusher is talking to Barkley and says, Oh, well, typically we name the virus after the first patient diagnosed with it. And then Barkley walks away and, and Crusher says to Troy, you know, oh, he he turned got into a spider. Virus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he turned into a spider. And then all this happened. And Troy's like, I guess I should clear my schedule for the week. Yeah. Ends with a yeah. little bit of a comedy button <laughs> that I, I don't know is really appropriate for the horror. That she these is going to have like- <laughs> a lot of patience across <laughs> right. the ship. That's, well, that's a lot the of them thing. are eaten at this point, so they're not coming back to, to yeah. deal with her. Oh my god! Yeah, she- that I I have to say, I I was a little bit disappointed in the Barclay Spider thing because as soon as they got to, I don't know if anybody if everybody knows this about me, but I do not like spiders. I never me have either. I my mother, knowing knowing I had a, a fear of spiders, took me to see Arachnophobia in the theater. <laughs> oh she, my god! She claims because she thought it would help cure me. It very much did not. Sure. Exposure um, therapy, yeah. Yeah, and like 
two things from my childhood that still stick in my head today as traumatic things I've viewed in, in movies and TV is uh, the spider gremlin from Gremlins 2 and the uh, that episode of Punky Brewster where they go into the cave and she ends up fighting like this demon oh Native God. American spider. <laughs> it's yeah. terrifying, terrifying. <laughs> we watched that like two years ago and it still stands up as being pretty fucked up and weird. Anyway, <clears throat> as soon as they got to the bridge, after they saw the dude you know, with his chest ripped open, there was one little strand of like spider web going from the chair to like the, the, uh, uh-huh. the desk in the back. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I, I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I knew what was coming and I was waiting for it. And they got to the engine room and there, there's webs everywhere. And I was like, Oh boy, this is going to be, I, I did say in my head, this is either going to be really scary or really dumb. Yep. And uh, they managed to find something in the middle where it's a good jump scare. They get they get the a jump, good jump scare out of it. I think the jump scare is, is pretty effective for what it is. Yeah. 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 But I kind of wish that they could have done something a little bit more threatening and creepy. Um, but the the makeup was great. He looked like, you know, Brundlefly oh, yeah. or something. It was very cool. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I agree. I, I, as somebody else who's also afraid of spiders... I think it kind of would have been great if you had seen him sort of skittering around in the background yeah. before yeah, exactly. you saw him like fully in camera. Yeah. And it's funny that too that great. when he when he runs off, they act as if Data's watching it run away. I mean he makes like sort of shuffling noises and Data's just like I think it was <laughs> Lieutenant Bartley. Yeah. Just Yeah. He appears to see be some kind of arachnid. That and that's the first that scene's also great because it's the first um it's Picard really starts showing his terror at the whole situation, which is like a um I just like the way that they do it. It's not his fear isn't brought up of something sort of inane that makes you realize how weird it is. Like he's he's frightened because of the Barkley scare and you think that, oh, it's like you know, Captain Picard has kind of been frightened by what's going on, but then you obviously realize that it's his uh, sickness coming back to get him. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I like the jump scare. I this episode was not it won an Emmy. It did not win for did makeup. Really? Did not win oh. for makeup. It won for sound mixing, which is interesting. Interesting. I'm surprised it wasn't makeup. I think the makeup is it's probably the best makeup episode that's ever been done in Star Trek, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, and that's saying a lot because obviously <laughs> They do a lot of makeup on this show. Right. It's it's miles. Sometimes it's, miles they, sometimes it's just pin a, a button to someone's forehead and glue it on there or whatever. But <laughs> right, it's miles better than um, fish person Mick Fleetwood. I can tell yes, you that. Yeah. <laughs> but they all look really different and they all look really high quality. Like, and you you get you get a good shot of Barkley and you get a good shot of his yeah. face and you get a good couple seconds to look yeah. at it and he looks pretty good. The, the only makeup I didn't like is I didn't like Troy's bulbous frog figure fingers mm-hmm. she's great at playing a frog she, though her her frog yeah, acting is. is fantastic yeah i yeah. thought that scene was great i thought it was that was legitimately scary too where she's just like floating in the water yeah and then they pull mm-hmm. her out and she's like i, th- I think it's scariest yeah. when they leave and she's back to floating and just, just yeah sitting there yeah yeah but you know she's got the the great contacts and she's got like the gills things going on but then she's got these like bulbous tree frog <laughs> sticker fingers she does like, she's Ugh. got the like rounded like right yeah like like fingertips yeah could have done without that one but the rest of it was good i'm always, I'm always yeah. impressed by picard's willingness to drag a dead body out of a tub with no questions asked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a trope is that like a common thing that happens i, I mean I, I imagine based on his reaction here he's done it before because he goes yeah, in no questions and it's just like get this body out of the out of the tub i need to look at it did you also notice in that scene either of you guys uh there's a lot of hair 
Oh, is like is she shedding or something? Is that supposed to be the implication? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, it's like no, I didn't. On the side of the tub. Yeah. Like yeah, there's like big clumps of black curly hair, and it's just like ugh. There's, there's a lot yeah. of gra- I even like um Worf's first thing where he's clearly changing, where he t- becomes an animal who sleeps on the floor instead of mm. in his bed. Oh. I think I think he I think Dorn's really great in that. I was just I was I'm always surprised by how good everyone in this is, and I. Like maybe it says something, but my kind of horror is I actually find when Riker, everyone leaves the room and Riker's supposed to send a message to Starfleet and he can't finish his thought while it's doing it. He has Mm -hmm. this weird look. I always find that to be Mm -hmm. the most terrifying moments in the episode sometimes because it's just like, I don't know. There's something there's something like really psychologically horrifying about what's happening to Riker in the early goings. Mm -hmm. And eventually he turns into more of a cartoon uh, caveman character. But I I'm really just (laughs) Uh, Commander, they, Starfleet wants to know about the weapons test. What, what, what weapons test? The one we're doing. Tell them we haven't finished. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just something very uh, like psychologically scary about all of that, that stuff. Was, that was another thing I identified with because I was like, yeah, I've been there, Riker. I've been in the middle of a thought on a podcast and just totally bailed out. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out. It's done. It's over. Yeah, um, I think I've uh, I think I've piled on to this fake metaphor enough. I can bail yeah. out. It'll seem like I made a point that matters. <laughs> Going back to uh, to Worf, um, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of nesting on the floor in in the uh, the spirit of the Rotten Horror Podcast. I, I wrote that as the most ominous nap ever. Yes, yes, <laughs> because it is like the music is so, and he's like frantically going around his quarters and he's ripping up his bedding and then he just gathers it all up and like dozes off again but the music is like so like suspenseful and and building and ominous it just it kind of made me laugh and obviously sealy mattresses are still uh, working in the 24th century because (laughs) he just he pulls memory foam out of his bed which is a nice little touch it's not not too futuristic for us Anytime uh, Worf lets his hair down, it's either because he's being sexy or because he's about to murder somebody. <laughs> Just like you, Clay. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why that's why everybody's safe in the summer when my hair's cut. <laughs> well, um, any any big surprises, Clay, from this one for you? Like, what you you sound like you enjoyed it. I'm not going to ruin your score yet. Or I I, I would have predicted this episode is like right up your alley in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, any any big surprises for you, uh, whether it's like placement of it or the way that they wrote it or the the way it is? Did it, did it seem strange in any ways for a TNG episode for you? Um, not particularly. Uh, I, I it it is it is a strange placement, um, but it does very much. Fe- it is very much one of those episodes that I think you can get away with that deep into your show where you're just throwing stuff at, like yeah, like we were doing the prisoner. There's that Western episode, like two episodes before the end yeah. of The Prisoner, yeah. where when they when they talked to the people involved, Patrick McGoon was like, I don't know. I always just wanted to do a Western. I figured this would be the only reason, only excuse for me to do one. So they just did it. I feel like you're they're in that like um, last semester of senior year kind of thing where they can kind of just do a bunch of stuff they've always wanted to do and kind of like cruise to the end. Yeah. Um, but there's a sense of to, fun to it too. It's not. It's yeah, not like yeah. obligation. It, it feels fun in, in a lot of in nice ways. Yeah, and you know, I think I think they are. Those episodes are hit and miss a lot of the times. Um, if I'm being honest, most of the time they miss, it's, at least on Star Trek. But um, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a really fun one. You know, I was the one thing I was thinking was man. 
Worf, I feel really bad for Worf because when he started like freaking out and biting people, my <laughs> the first thing that I did was I clicked into like uh, Star Trek racism and I was like anybody on this ship who has like an a weird feeling about Klingons would immediately be, immediately be like I was just waiting for this to happen. Like before before it turned into a um shipwide thing. That was my first thought where I was like, man, this must be what everybody's afraid of having a Klingon in the ship that in uh not not uh, um not rightfully so, obviously cuz he's you know he's a cool dude, but any, <laughs> what's potentially the, uh, possible for having a violent yeah, Klingon? Yeah, the on prejudices this. towards towards a Klingon must be rooted in this: that oh, one day he might just snap and start killing people. Um, I don't know why that stuck into my head because <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be something they would explore in this episode. Clearly, it's not. <laughs> but, Worf goes uh, and buys a gun at the uh, the. <laughs> well, I mean, like, there's he goes through. I felt really bad because he goes through. He goes. He are are he in. Troy an item at this point yes they are sort of yeah yeah he bites her in the face Jesus tries to like uh, uh, sexually assault her uh then he turns into a monster who probably like you said Amanda probably killed a few people if not ate them and then like he's he spends his entire character arc kind of like fighting that that's like he's Worf is is constantly walking the line between being a Klingon and, and and being a more human kind of thing and fighting those those two things. So coming mm-hmm. back from that and being like, yeah, you're all better. Um, Clay, you missed. You're the most gonna want to talk to. You missed the most important thing. The most devastating moment here is the very open where Worf is so pleased with his <laughs> weapons work, and Picard is like, "This yes. is so fucking boring, <laughs> boring." <Yes. laughs> Yeah, this was a this was a rough episode for Worf. I mean, he's going to have yeah. to have a long, long talk with with Diana. <laughs> um, probably well away from each other, just to be safe until make sure that everything's back to normal. But uh, yeah, he uh, he probably gets the worst of it. I think he does. Yeah. Um, let's see. Also, a, a lizard. The, the cat turns into a lizard. Yeah, that's what I said. Well, that, like, why? Why do cats evolve from iguanas now? See, I'll I'll do the job of defending the episode's <laughs> science. Somebody has to. So, sure. Th- they do mention in this episode. I guess this is not how it really works, but they make a fair attempt at doing something. So, what the, for the record, I don't care. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> the, the science, whether or not it makes sense, does not influence my like of this episode. They but. do. No, they, no, I agree. They do say Data has lines where he's like, "This is just randomly activating uh, old DNA that is no longer used in your mm-hmm. genome." So you have you have incredibly old DNA that goes all the way back, you know, to the age of the dinosaurs, basically that got passed along at some point, and now it's randomly turning you into random things, which is why people aren't are all turning into cavemen like Riker. Some are turning into lizards or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. the, the The argument there is that I guess that this is not really how the genetics would work, and at some point you'd have to like the splits would not be possible for that to happen. But they do mm-hmm. make an attempt to explain why they are all randomly turning into things. And it's not just mm-hmm. everyone is turning back into uh, early primates or anything like that sure. for humans. So. I do appreciate that because I think that would have been a much easier way to go, like a much more stock way. It's like, yeah, everybody just turns into like cavemen. Way more boring. Way more boring. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I still yeah. don't entirely know what Worf turns into because the way they shoot him is just so cool. He's always, 
you know, really darkly lit. You can kind of see he's like hulkier and spikier and stuff, but you don't really get a good look at him. I thought it was, I thought the way they handled him was great. He has uh, the predator's little mouth parts, like little pincher mouth things. Mm. Yeah. So he, he yeah. is spooky. He, they obviously told him to run like the hunchback of Notre Dame as he's chasing the card <laughs> down the, the hallway. Um, Amanda, did you pay attention to the science? Does it impact you at all? It doesn't impact Clay. Were you sitting there going, I have when I took AP biology. I don't know if you did, but maybe you did. Maybe you're like, this is not how introns work at all. Mr. Corey, Mr. Corey told me this is not the case. Look, I did take AP biology and I did very bad in it. Uh-huh. So I am, I am not one to judge. Um, I think, I think the only time where it really did bother me is the cat. Yeah. It's wearing the collar. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, I, I, I know part of part of that was it was a little bit of a gag. It was like a, like played for humor to an extent, but that was the only time I think it really like stuck in my craw mm. as I was watching this. I think other than that, I was willing to sort of hand wave it away in exchange for the fun of of the concept because I, I think that's really <laughs> what this is all about. It's just the concept that like human beings or or people or whoever can can de-evolve into these monstrous beings and i I think that's just such a fun idea to play with that i was willing to just kind of let it ride yeah it's um it is it's a fun it's my rejoinder to or my uh my sort of criticism of the criticism of this would just be like it's not really trying to do that like the the time warp thing that I keep references, a lot of people have trouble with a, a time travel episode, DS9, that has like this really hard hitting emotional core to it about going back and learning that your mother was not the person that you're supposed to be. And everyone gets hung up on the way that the time travel happens in the episode. Mm. And I just, I like, I, I feel it misses the point. And here it's just, you can have whatever goofy thing you want to happen to cause this sort of horror theme park on the ship. And I'm mostly okay with it. You like, they would, they would really have to screw it up for me not to respect what was going on like would you guys i think it would not become a star trek episode if they didn't try to explore like if it was just a thing where they never really figured out what was going on but they found a cure like they never really understood why this was happening i would be i think that would actually be a less successful star trek episode i don't know if it would be a better episode of television but it would be a less successful star trek in my opinion well i i appreciate that they do explain it i think or try to i think they probably explain it too much because uh, they spend a lot of time where it's Data and Picard just talking about stuff and talking about things that they can uh, repolarize and change, you know, all this kind of this techno babble stuff. Um, my problem with the Time Orb episode, not to relitigate that, is that they make <laughs> no attempt whatsoever, and the Time Orb is such a like a magical device that doesn't feel like it fits in that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this, it's like, yeah, the stuff that's happening is ridiculous. Uh, and, and I was saying, and I was saying for for the Time War episode, if they had like one throwaway line to explain how it happened or whatever, I think that gives you enough where you could be like, okay, it's that fine, let's go. Um, and in this one, I think they probably do a little bit too much, but uh, yeah, ultimately, I think uh, it doesn't hurt it. It is a weirdly structured episode, though. Like I like I said, there's there's some shaky stuff in it where the Ship is two light years away. They've been doing the show for seven years, and they still say they <laughs> nobody caught that. that I don't know would, why I, it has to be far away anyway. Um, 
I don't know why they can't just find it immediately. It would, you know, you, I would assume that the ship has just been waiting there for them. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Also, it does it does answer a question for me when they when that one torpedo just like skews off into space. I was like, man, yeah. What happens if they miss or something? Does right. that thing just keep going till it hits a planet or something? What happens <laughs> or to the phaser to... blast? Does it just go forever until it hits something? I, right. Yeah. I guess you have to get in your car and go pick it up, <laughs> <Yeah>. I guess. <laughs> Picard is so, your trash. Picard is so bored he takes the most boring character with him too. He's like, Data, like, I, I need your I need your exciting lifestyle uh, to tell me oh, what it is. I need to get off the ship and just read for a while. It's such a it's such a Star Trek I talked about Picard just going in bare hands to pull Deanna's corpse out of the bathroom but uh <laughs> picard it's such a great it's such a great th- thing that was reminding me i think amy sort of sparked it because she was watching with me and at, at the point where they sort of go back she's like this is just so much better than discovery and i was like well it's yeah. it's because it's doing something different where what it triggered in me is when picard data is like the ship seems to be adrift and the thing's really floating ominously there's like no power on it picard's like huh I'll be damned. Like he has such a he has such a cool reaction to it. He was like, Data, we gotta get the ship back on warp drive so we can bring this thing home and let, then we'll figure out if anyone's dead. But he's he's very uh calm and cool about the entire thing the whole way through until he starts freaking out. But it's such a TNG character reaction. Mm, yeah. I uh um I haven't I haven't watched the second episode of Discovery yet, so I, I can't uh speak to that directly. But yeah, there is a there is a um simplicity to uh situations and reactions especially that this show does really well where not even goofy ones like this yeah like it's goofy but mm. where not everyone has to have like an emotional breakdown every time something every every scene which discovery feels like they need to do i guess to keep people interested or something but I imagine know, if but, burnham found that her cat had turned into a lizard it'd be 45 minutes of her crying <laughs> about it and be like oh jesus <laughs> I did. I just want to jump in and say, like, in response to something I think Clay said a little while ago um, about how there are all these scenes where it's just sort of like Data and Picard having these long conversations. And, and there's there's just a lot of like science talking in this episode. Mm. Um, I actually like it because I think like it gives all the actors the space in the moments to sort of do that gradual descent into like madness and transformation or whatever mm. like you, you see it even in the first half everybody starts acting just a little bit weird mm. like pretty early on in the episode and then it just it, it starts to escalate even as they're doing things like going over reports and and you know analyzing what went wrong with the new weapon systems it's i kind of like it like i like that they give everybody the space to have those moments because like like Wes was saying earlier it just shows how much fun they were kind of having with it yeah well so I, I appreciated that stuff it's really kind of two star trek episodes in one because mm. i can see them and i guess they kind of have done the first half as a full episode where it's the, everybody in the crew starts acting weird and there's some sort of pathogen, you know, the naked now or whatever it yeah. is, they do that. Um, and on the other hand, it's the episode where they come, they find, they come back to the ship. Uh, like I think you were saying, Wes, you could have started them finding the ship could have been the cold open. Yeah. Yeah. And you could have done an entire episode like that too. Um, 
so you you get kind of the best of both worlds kind of pushed together and everybody gets to do something that's that like you're saying is really fun because if they had just done which is which is why I think the the elongated first half actually actually works yeah. for me because if they had just done the monster stuff I, I nope it's not I, yeah you get to be a monster but the, you don't get to do a lot of cool stuff you you don't get to do a lot of uh fun acting stuff whereas the first half is everybody getting to do some fun acting stuff and and uh and uh be a little bit more uh um into it than just being under prosthetics for 20 hours a day for three days or whatever. <laughs> yeah. To to Amanda's point, why I like the early bits where the weirdness is sneaking out through their routine conversations with each yeah, other. Yeah. What I, what I think the problem in the second half is that it's like David Picard going like, oh, oh, Jesus, spider monster. And then they run into a room and they talk very calmly for five minutes about yes. the vaccine's that's efficacy. True. And exactly. I think that's exactly. kind of the problem with it, where I like it in the first half because it's just a... It's the, it's the seasoning to the episode at that point, the weirdness that's coming out. But once things are fully weird, it feels like a real foot on the brakes moment where Picard and Data have to sit down and talk about what's going on for a couple minutes. Right, right. Yeah. I do, um, I do, I just, I, I do like the, uh, it's just a, the, um, like calm pace of it. I think it, it pl- the, the episode's concept sort of plays into that, like, very, um, sometimes a criticism of Star Trek where it's just like a very vanilla feeling show, but like it it, yeah. it, it nicely plays off of that, I think. And it's um it's impressive to me. Do you guys have anything else mm. you want to say about this? I will say my it's just nice to go back to these old TNG episodes and you see the character work in full effect because I I adore the weird comedy of this one where uh the first scene where Data calls Barclay over to watch his spot, watch spot mm-hmm. for him. And then yeah. Data's like I'm going to find out which cat fucked my cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've been running tests. I'm going to find out which yeah, I'm cat. I'm going to do a do full DNA workup on those kittens once they're born. Yeah. It's just a wonderful Barkley data conversation. I'll be honest with you. That's the one piece of, of information that I, I was hoping they would address because I was like, wait. There's more than one cat. I've never seen another cat. Yeah, there, <laughs> like the there, there are twelve male yeah. cats on this ship. I was like, "Holy shit!" The Enterprise just has like cats roaming around it. Yeah, yeah they can open yeah. the doors or something. I suppose I don't know how they oh. get out. The other thing I did want to mention is I find I found it funny how casually the solution is. Well, yeah, if we just steal a bunch of her amniotic fluid, we can probably make something out of it. It's like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. that's it. It's, yeah. It's like usually the solutions to these things are a little less invasive <laughs> for, you know, innocent pregnant crew members. At least so, they weren't like, hey, we need some fetal stem cells. Right. <laughs> yes. And that's good, where we're going to. Yeah. Good news. Bad news. Um, <laughs> we found the solution, but you got to get rid of it. It just ends with data turning to the camera and saying, and that's why we need to override the ban on fetal research uh, in the United <laughs> yeah. States. So this wouldn't happen. Her, uh, nurse Ogawa's makeup is subtly great. It's, it's like, it's not the most, com- she's the, uh, the, uh, pregnant nurse mm-hmm. who gets, mm-hmm. she just turns into like a primitive humanoid, but she, um, uh, I thought her ma- makeup was like really excellent, but not like wharf level where you're just like wow look at that but more just like wow they really nailed like what a early humanoid uh, human would look like she's good yeah yeah i i liked her little touch um i think they were they were sitting around like the conference table or whatever 
and she starts kind of leaning forward on her knuckles. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, that's, yeah. that's good. Catch yeah. that. That's cool. It's yeah. good. It's, good. it's a yeah. lot of good moments like that. Uh, you guys, did, did Gates McFadden direct anything else after? Like, did they ever have her do any other shows or anything? No, this is this is it. It Man. took another six years for another female cast member to direct something, which is Roxanne Dawson, who's also a very good director, too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's sucks. obviously fewer females <laughs> in the cast of these shows, uh, but it's there. It seems very political who gets to direct things. Sure. Um, yeah. So it, it I've always it I've always wondered that with TV shows where it's like, do you have that? Is that part of your contract where it's like, if uh, <clears throat> if you're the first name on the cast list, you get to direct before everybody else does because everybody seems to want to do it eventually, whether it's because they want to do it or because it's something else to do five seasons into the show you've been doing every day for the past five years. It probably is. They always made a big point about that the director assignments were really just like pulled out of a hat. So you had no preference on what you were doing. It was just who was free mm-hmm. that week to direct whatever sure. it was. But Patrick Stewart got an early chance to do it. Uh, Frakes is a good, but Patrick Stewart, as we talked on the podcast, is a terrible director, a great actor, terrible director. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Frakes is really good. I think McFadden is really excellent. LeVar Burton's fine. I don't notice anything about his episodes, but um, it's always weird when you see the Avery Brooks was a better director than an actor. I think his episodes are really yes. well directed, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat. Um, it's uh it's it's interesting from what I remember of um, <clears throat> Patrick Stewart's episode that he directed compared to this one because I if I remember correctly, it seemed like he was trying some weird shit. Like he, it seemed like he was uh, got a little bit too excited about being the director, so he was having the camera do really weird angles and like camera moves that didn't really work. Yeah. Whereas this one. She seems to know exactly what she wants and doesn't get too flashy, uh, but gets great performances out of people and gives you just enough interesting camera stuff to make it all work. Does that, as you guys are probably familiar with on the horror podcast, a lot of the the scary shot is walk with the camera behind someone following their back mm-hmm. as they're entering a room or entering a space mm-hmm. or something. She does that a bunch of times in this, but she's, she's very good with the, uh, the camera and blocking. Um, I... I do think that um, Scary Enterprise is not as scary as Scary Deep Space Nine, though. Yeah. Because Deep Space Nine, when they turn the lights off and go for the dark atmosphere, is just, I don't know if it's uh, just the way the set's built or whatever, Um, it works really well. The Enterprise feels more like you've just walked into a room with like one light bulb is out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're, 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 yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, just I, I am still even even given that fact, I'm just such a sucker for the like uh ship, whether it's spaceship, ship at sea, whatever, like ghost ship concept. Oh, sure. the, yeah. yeah, the ship just adrift that you stumble upon and you get like I I love that that whole trope. I think it's awesome. Well the um you know, this I don't know if you guys have a sort of scariest uh scene in mind. I find the shuttle bay fairly scary when they first come in, but also uh, we haven't really talked about the. They mentioned how the the animals are like gathering in certain areas, and they mentioned the arboretum. And the arboretum is where they get Nurse Ogawa from. They completely skip over how they do this or anything. Yeah. How they drag her down and drag <laughs> her out of the area. Her. Yeah, how they get yeah. her out of the tree and That's... then drag her back to sickbay. They just come back in with Picard sweating slightly and going like, whew. That was scary. Glad we don't have to yeah. go through that again. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Like the structure of it's a little weird where they do cut a lot of corners as far as like story logistics go, I think. 
but ultimately I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Final thoughts about this one. I am. Well, first of all, thank you patrons. You're all patrons. So I don't have to plug the Patreon at this point, but thank you for uh, subscribing and supporting the show before Halloween to get access to this. Let everyone know that they should do it for the next one just because it was worth it. Really, even if you thought this episode was terrible, just tell them it was the most fantastic thing you've ever heard and we'll get more patience. Uh, final thoughts. I'm going to continue to give this one a four. Um, it's not quite a five. Just be, I don't, you know, there's there's minor nitpicks like the story structure that Clay was talking about. And I think that it's uh, just kind of, it's slightly, go- it's fun goofy, but I don't know if fun goofy will ever be excellent in the way that a five is in my mind. But this is like mm-hmm. a really strong four. I really love this episode. Um, I rewatch it quite a bit. It's usually... You know, it's it's one of probably one of the more watched TNG episodes that I've seen, just because it's light and fun. Um, and I think Gates McFadden was an excellent director who should have directed more. And I just it's nice to go back to these simple TNG stories of goofiness and to see that Brandon Braga was actually writing interesting things at some point, and maybe maybe he'll be resurrected <laughs> in his Enterprise run um, later on as we move into that. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Amanda, what did you think about this one? You give it a scale on our one to five, if you don't mind. I mean, I'm I'm going to give it a five because I have such a limited scope. <laughs> this is the best <laughs> Star Trek I've ever seen. The best one I've ever seen. No, I, I really, I, I have a deep affection for this episode, if for no other reason than I have those sort of like half-formed nightmarish memories of seeing it as a kid and being legitimately terrified of it. Um. So I I just really I love it. I have a lot of fond feeling for this one. Clay. Yeah, I think I, I think I'll also give it a 4. Um <clears throat> I think the the uh TNG 5 is a uh for me anyway is a it's a pretty high honor. <laughs> yeah. There's only like 13 of them or something across 180 episodes. Yeah. So, so. what I'm saying is Amanda, I on behalf of everybody listening take offense to the way you're just, just tossing pouring out your fives to everyone every yeah. every Good. episode that walks in with a little bit of a, a wink at you it's disgusting I mean, absolutely if, come fight me star trek fans if you need me to go down a list of what a five really is in this show i'd be happy to not be able to do that because i only remember like two of them but those two are fives well here's here's no. the here's the here's a here's a sci-fi Strong sci-fi concept, you gave a five. Cause and effect, Clay. So why is cause and effect sure. a better episode than Genesis? Um, I think cause and effect is a is just structurally probably it's a it's a more complete package. I think this one's a lot of fun. Um but I think there's enough nitpicks and kind of like shoulder shrugs for me to uh to stop from um going the full five and also just as far as like i've never i've never heard anybody talk about this episode oh really it's not one that's ever ever come up um whereas cause and effect i feel like if you talk about next generation it's like just a matter of time until that comes up yeah as like a great episode um so uh yeah, I think this is probably like one draft away from being a five. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel I'm laughing at this episode, but I'm almost laughing at it. You know, like I'm. Yeah, yeah. It walks a really weird, weird line in that respect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what makes it great. Yes, I, that's I, I would say that's, that's totally that's, fair. If, if it's if that's what they're going for, I think they nailed it. If it's this kind of like campy, 
horror thing that they want to play mm-hmm. off of. I think that they got that perfectly right, but it's it da- it veers sometimes dangerously close to being totally campy and ridiculous for the show. I never think it, I don't think it ever crosses that line, but cause and effect goes nowhere near that. You're more just kind of marvel at cause and effect is like a constructed right. television episode and this one doesn't quite get there, but it's very good, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh that's it. Thank you very much. Amanda gave out her five. We give it out of fours. I stayed a four. Clay's first uh, rating of it is going to be a four. Thank you very much, patrons, for it, uh, for supporting the show. Thank you for listening to the platform coverage. Thank you for being here and supporting the Enterprise and all the other, the uh, Rotten Horror. And then we've got Badass is the other show that's currently running. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. What kind of thing can I go out on for this? Uh Horror episode of Star Trek. Is it? Um, I can't ask you guys if he thinks this is the best horror episode. I don't know if you have enough uh, experience with them. Would um, I certainly do not. <laughs> would you say someone was coming up with a, a themed party where they had on in the background random horror stuff? Would you suggest mm-hmm. this as something to be playing in the background? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you had to go by like, we actually did that a couple years ago. We, we uh, around Halloween, everybody brought their favorite Halloween TV episode. Um, and I, I it would probably say I, I'm, I might've suggested this one if I had, if I had watched this previously. Yeah. Cause we watched what the hell, what the hell was that episode of Sequest we watched? Oh God. Wasn't it the one with the, the ghost ship? It was terrible. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was really bad. It was very bad. Um, and I would definitely have would have suggested this if you're going for like a sci-fi horror episode um, from a show that doesn't usually do that kind of stuff. I would say, yeah, I would probably bring this to the table. Yeah, I think I think it's fun. I think it's enjoyable. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you guys for uh, dipping back into TNG with me, Amanda. Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, Clay, you're here as always, but you got one more TNG yep. knocked off under on, off your uh, off the, on the. But one more mark on the wall for your TNG episodes, and you pretty much have seen how them many? All. Do you know how many I haven't done? Because I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is going to end up being like you know when you collect trading cards and you get that checklist card and you've got like <laughs> the monopoly 10 cards. You got everything except for the winning ticket in each category. Yeah, ten cards that you're missing to have a complete set. That's a, um, that would be a good question but, to know how many you didn't do. I wonder if there's any you haven't seen at this point. If you if you if you're fairly sure you haven't seen this one, I wonder how many that there are that you haven't seen. But well, it can't be that many. Let me put it this way: I have almost positively seen this before at some point. Okay, sure. Because I did a years before we started this. I think when they first came on to uh, Netflix, when it, um, like when streaming first started, I did a watch through. I think of the entire series, but I was doing it while I was working, so I was just you know. It was just going in the background while I was working, so mm-hmm. not everything stood out. You know what? That's a lie because I actually did – I think I did a list of – because there were so many episodes, I think I did best and worst lists or something like that. Just curated your, um, your watch. Yeah. Through. yeah. So maybe I haven't actually ever seen it. Well, maybe this would have hit both the lists. best and the worst list, yeah. so you would, have, true. you would have covered yourself. Maybe the polarities just exploded <laughs> it off any list. <laughs> A tear in the space-time continuum. Guys, thank you very yeah, much. I, well, I was just going to say, I don't know how many I haven't seen at this point, but I can't imagine it's too many. No, I, I can't imagine it's it's too many. We're done. Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And that was After Genesis and our revisit. We will see you later. <laughs>